0: All right, I just finished it. What'd you think? SummerSlam 2022. Roman Reigns continues his championship reign, which hopefully doesn't end in Europe in a couple of weeks. I got to hand it to whoever put the show together, Triple H. I guess we give him all the credit. We were watching a match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, a main event that we have now seen what feels like 655 times. We have seen so much of Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And for the most part, they've had good matches going all the way back to WrestleMania 31, which was this hard-fought, bruising match that's best remembered for Seth Rollins cashing in. I even liked their WrestleMania 34 match though it wasn't as good, but it had this surprise ending, to me at least surprise ending, of Brock Lesnar retaining. The greatest Royal Rumble match kind of sucked in that weird-looking steel cage. SummerSlam 18 was sort of clunky. The Crown Jewel match. The WrestleMania 38 match. And here we are at SummerSlam 2022. Because quite frankly, they haven't built up anybody else over the last three years to challenge Roman Reigns. So the most appealing thing is Brock Lesnar for the 500th time. And yet, in what I hope is the last time these guys meet, in a main event, the last time these guys meet during this rivalry, they pulled out all the stops and at least gave us something we've never seen before. And I got to give them credit. Now, we'll talk a little bit about Vince McMahon. I didn't do a podcast about it. I was I wanted to, and then life got in the way. Or maybe Rico bronia got in the way. So a lot on SummerSlam, my reaction to this event. And then we'll talk about Vince, everything that went down with Vince and the future of this company. But... I got to tell you, the main event, which I wasn't excited about, because again, how many times have we seen Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar? They gave us crap we've never seen before, even though it seemed weird at the time and didn't really make any sense at the time. Like, okay, Brock Lesnar's coming out in a bulldozer. He's coming out in a tractor, not a bulldozer, a tractor. That's weird. Not exactly Shawn Michaels coming out at WrestleMania 12, but all right, it's different. And the visual of Brock standing in the mouth of the tractor as he's announced. Okay, different. Jumping off it and attacking Roman Reigns. Okay, different. But you knew the entire time. They got to do something with this freaking tractor. And since Brock Lesnar is not exactly Jeff Hardy, he's not going to swanton bomb off this thing. I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are they going to do? What can they do? (laughs) And so what, what, 20 minutes into the match towards the conclusion of it? We see Brock Lesnar decide, because why the hell not? Let's bulldoze the freaking ring and let's lift it off of the ground. And and look, you could certainly make the argument of if we're going to suspend this belief for a second and say wrestling is real. We know it's not, but okay, this is real. It's fair to say, what the hell was Brock going for? (laughs) Lifting the ring is going to do what? Now, as a viewer watching at home, I admit, all right, this is screwed up. This is different. It's like when Brock and Big Show a decade and a half ago had that match where the ring collapsed. The first time we'd ever seen that, that was cool because we had never seen it before. Or the first time Kofi Kingston did something crazy at the Royal Rumble. By the ninth time, we were bored with it. But the first time we saw it, okay, this is awesome. So I guess it was just cool because... In watching wrestling for, you know, 25 years, more than that now. I'm 39, so 30 years. And really even watching the wrestling before that, you're always looking for something you've never seen before. And even though it really didn't make any strategic sense in terms of winning the match, uh hey, the ring was lifted and was tilted for the last 10 minutes of it. The other thing, again, when you suspend this belief watching professional wrestling that has to drive you nuts is that when you have a match that has no rules, when you have a match that's a last man standing match, it makes you wonder why the Usos waited until the 25-minute mark to come out. Like, technically, they could have began the fight as a three-on-one match. You know, remember that casket match between Yokozuna and The Undertaker at Royal Rumble where The Undertaker died? You know, at least in storyline, he went to heaven and then came back a few months later. It was all the heels beating the crap out of The Undertaker. And it was absurd, but you said to yourself, well, it makes sense. There are no rules. It's a casket match. It could be 15 on one. Always bothered me that no one came out and helped The Undertaker. But the Usos come out and help Roman Reigns and super kick him and beat the crap out of him. They could have done that from the beginning. This whole thing could have been three on one. So when they're there, then they get knocked out and they're gone for 10 minutes. And then, of course, the match concludes with them helping Roman just stack stuff on top of Brock Lesnar so he can't answer the 10 call. It's that whole suspend disbelief thing where you say they could have been doing that the entire time. But I I thought the ending was cool because every time... Roman Reigns was knocking the crap out of Brock Lesnar, and you thought, all right, now the match is over. They pulled it out so many times of Brock answering the call before it got to 10, that by the 19th time he did it, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, you're thinking, all right, how the hell is this going to end? Because I think we all realize that Roman Reigns was going to win, that Roman Reigns should win, that Brock was not going to beat Roman Reigns in their final encounter, supposedly at SummerSlam after this, We're almost at a two-year run, which is insane to think about, especially when you compare it to the history of these long runs in professional wrestling, which I think Michael Cole mentioned that it's just Pedro Morales, Bruno San Martino, Bob Backlund, and Hulk Hogan, and all of those are 40-plus years ago. There's nothing from the modern era of professional wrestling that even comes close to the length of this reign. So I think we all knew Brock was never winning this match. It was more of concluding this feud, and how are they going to do it? And I thought they did a good job. You know, Roman Reigns has been so badass for so long that I can't even make the argument that him winning with so much help makes him look weak. Because think about it. Think about everybody he's beaten, including Brock Lesnar, numerous times. He's now defeated Brock Lesnar three times. Relatively dirty, you know, all of those times. But he's defeated Brock Lesnar three times during this two-year run that Roman's on. I don't think he's in any danger of looking weak, even though he got help from the Usos and all that crap. I thought it was a good match, but this has to be it. And and I don't know what Brock thinks of the WWE and opposed Vince McMahon world. A part of the craziness over the last few weeks was the idea that Brock Lesnar walked out when he heard that Vince McMahon was quote unquote retiring. So it's possible. This is the last we've seen of Brock Lesnar. In fact, I've been trying to figure it out, kind of speculating what does this post-McMahon world look like, assuming it truly is a post-McMahon world. But I'll get to that in a few minutes. Let me just finish up everything we saw at SummerSlam, which overall was a blah show. I just thought the main event was good. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair that kicked it off was a fine match, good match. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I always just want to be honest about what I know and what I don't know. I have no idea who those two other women were who came out with Bailey. I don't. <laughs> I could sit here and look it up. I'm sure there's some NXT involvement. I don't know. But I did like the whole Becky and Bianca were a team thing. And it looks like maybe Becky Lynch is going to get a face turn. So good match. I'm glad Becky didn't turn on her because when Becky offered the handshake, I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. Here's your handshake slash, ah, just kidding. (laughs) I fooled you for the 15th time. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. And when the three surprise returns or women came out to confront Bianca, I had a scary feeling the same thing was going to happen. Like, oh, crap, come on. Just have Becky be a face for a while. Don't have her turn. Sometimes those turns like Seth Rollins did a few weeks ago or months ago with Cody Rhodes, it's just so stupid. Uh, the Logan Paul mismatch. Look, what, what bothered me about the buildup to this thing is that no one wants to cheer Logan Paul. They just don't. So if they don't want to cheer him, why are you sort of making him the face? And that's basically what they were doing in this whole thing. They were They were trying to have the crowd cheer for him. And it really didn't work. With that said... Logan Paul put on a hell of a show. I mean, he's doing frog splashes through tables to the point where when the match finally ended, the crowd cheered him almost just in support of the fact that they were surprised he was that good because he was that good. But despite the support he got at the end, I think they've got to realize people don't want to cheer him. There are certain people that are their natural heels, they're natural faces. They want to cheer someone, they don't want to boo this person. I think we will find out with whatever they do with Logan Paul moving forward that the crowd really wants to boo him. But he put on a hell of a show. I got to give him credit. No surprise. He won, obviously, in his first real, real match. I guess as a full-time wrestler in the WWE. I can't wait till WrestleMania 42 when it's a triple threat match between Logan Paul, Pat McAfee, and Dwight Howard. That'll be great. Uh, Lashley crushed Theory. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. Theory's not ready to be champion. I like that they're giving him a push. I think he's got a lot of great potential. Uh, It's cool to have that briefcase with you, but he can't win the championship. He was never going to win it at SummerSlam, and I can't see anything over the next six months that would make my view change on that. So instead, just have him be the chicken-ass heel who runs around with his briefcase, who every once in a while makes you think he's going to cash in, and hopefully he gets better and develops and becomes a bigger and bigger star as time goes on. I don't know what you do with Lashley other than make him I, I get you know what you know what make will make Lashley important. I guess Roman Reigns is a part-time guy. We've seen that over the last few months. And if he's a part-time guy holding the two main championships besides relying on the women wrestling which you certainly can do, you're probably elevating Bobby Lashley as a US champion but really it's close to being the undisputed championship, since the undisputed champion ain't going to be around that long. But right now, he's just kicking ass as a face. Judgment Day against the Mysterios. I don't know why I keep waiting for Dominic Mysterio to turn heel. And I sort of want that. I want that. Because what are we doing here with the Mysterios? I know Ray's been around for a million years and they're celebrating his anniversary. And I read an article last week that Jennifer Aniston wanted to bang him, which is kind of cool. That came out of nowhere. I'd never heard that before. But every time I watch the Mysterios team, I'm waiting for Dominic to turn on him and say, you bastard, I wanted to be Eddie Guerrero's son 20 years ago. I can't stand you, dad. And then we get this big blow-off between (laughs) Ray and Dominic. Edge returned. It's weird how in Edge's kind of second go-around, they've really been in love with the Brood angle. Edge was a part of Brood for what felt like five minutes. And how many times have they kind of brought back that blood-sucking vampire-esque Edge? It'll be cool to see him feud with Judgment Day. I think that'll be fun. Him and Finn Balor could be a nice little feud. But it is weird to me that they really have fallen in love with the Brood Edge. Pat McAfee happy, Corbin. Pat McAfee's good. I'm not going to rip him as a wrestler. I think his announcing is outstanding. The one thing I wonder about with McAfee is that every big event, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, they give Pat a match. And he does a great job. He really does. I mean, he does a hell of a job. But he keeps winning. Think about it. He beat Theory at WrestleMania. I know he lost to Vince McMahon, but stop. He beat Theory at WrestleMania. He beats Corbin here at SummerSlam. Not that I love Corbin, but doesn't Pat McAfee sort of need to lose to these full-time guys? (laughs) As good of a job as he puts on. What's the end game of that? Is Pat McAfee ever really going to be a full-time wrestler? Is that where it's going? It's much easier with Corbin because nobody likes Corbin or kind of looks at him as... Someone who's gonna win a championship. Theory is a little bit different. But every time Pat gets in the ring, dating back to that match he had at NXT, a rare NXT match I actually watched, he's a hell of a performer. Great announcer. Great announcer. Oh, he he is, you know, I think JR and Jerry Lawler were a great team. And then it's somewhere along the line, Jerry Lawler became so cheesy and bad that unfortunately I mostly remember Lawler as a bad announcer. So you got to go back to Bobby Heenan specifically, Jesse Ventura. I'd tell you, I think this guy's on that level. I and mean, He's a pro. I mean, he's a millionaire for a reason. He's a great entertainer. The Usos and the Street Profits were not a good match. I, I think the expectations were a lot higher. I don't understand why Jeff Jarrett was thrown into this. They did finally make a reference, a very veiled reference, to Jeff Jarrett has a big weekend coming up. Because as you probably know, Jeff Jarrett is a part of Ric Flair's last match, which I, I don't know if I'm going to order it. I love Conrad Thompson. I think he's done a great job putting that event together. A lot of those wrestlers that are on the card, I'm not that familiar with. I'll be perfectly honest. And I'd basically be spending 35 bucks just to see Ric Flair's last match. That cannot be good. It can't be. He's a senior citizen. I'm curious how... It ends, I guess Ric Flair puts Jeff Jarrett in a freaking, uh, what's it called? Figure four, and that's it. But if they do anything really creative to the ending. But here's Jeff Jarrett, who is a part of that angle with Flair. And I thought the way they booked that angle was fantastic. I know that's not WWE related, but I did watch the video and the documentaries. I think it's incredibly well done. But did the WWE say to themselves, we know Jeff's doing that, let's get him to do something for us because he seems so out of place and not important in that Uso Street Profits feud. Like, he doesn't fit at all. You know, if there was some kind of feud over the Intercontinental Championship, I can see the parallel of Jeff Jarrett, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. But tag team titles? Like, what? why was it necessary for Jeff Jarrett to be a guest referee and then the entire time The broadcast crew kept saying how amazing of a job Jeff Jarrett's doing. Oh, my God. Can you believe the positioning he's in? He's so good, which led me to think, okay, he's going to screw somebody. And he did. He just was the ref. I don't get that. But the Usos winning is no surprise. The match was not as good as the one they had at the last premium live event. And at this point, the feud's got to end. You know, maybe they do something with the Street Profits, break them up. And the Usos find new uh, dance partners. I I was intrigued by Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan, because it wouldn't have made any sense for Ronda to get the belt back immediately. It just wouldn't have. Even though Ronda should be the champion. And I think she's awesome. I think she's the best in the women's division, if booked correctly, like she was the first time, as this ass-kicking machine. So they did come up with a creative ending where Liv is tapping as Ronda's getting pinned very softly. So they'll continue this feud for a little bit. I did love the fact that they had Rhonda snap at the end. Rhonda can't be a face either. she just got to be a badass who kicks everybody's ass. And she did. She's snapping the arm of not just Liv Morgan, but she's snapping the arm of the referee. Great. Kane announcing this 48,000 people. Shut up. You're a politician. They probably sold 25,000 tickets. I had to give the rest away. But overall, look, shows are defined by your main event, and the main event gave you something. Now it leads to Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre, where it's the first time in two years where, and I guess we'll see how they build this towards Labor Day weekend when they have this event, that I actually worry. I worry that they're going to take the belts off Roman, which I think would be a mistake. They are already at two years. They're going to be at two years, right around there, when they have that match the big stadium show in the UK. And I know you've got your UK star that they've pushed to the moon during the pandemic. And does he deserve another title run? Maybe at some point, I don't want it to be now. The, the, when Roman loses and he's going to lose someday, it has is gotta be so big. And McIntyre getting his title back in the continent. He's from to me is not enough. It's not. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe people think about this as the British Bulldog winning the IC title against Brett at Wembley Stadium. So I guess what's kind of cool is going into that card, going into that event, it'll be one of the rare times I wonder, wow, is Roman going to lose? There's been a confidence over most of these events that Roman's going to win, Roman's going to go over. This is not the time. This is not the moment. But I think because of of the opponent, and because of the location, there is that feeling of, wow, they may take the belt off him. And I think it'd be a big mistake. But it leads to really the number one thing in pro wrestling, and that's not SummerSlam. It's Vince. Vince McMahon is gone. Vince McMahon, quote unquote, retired, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But really, for us as wrestling fans, we are left for the first time in our lifetimes in a wrestling world that has not led by the brain of Vince McMahon. And I'm not surprised that over the last few days after Vince announced his retirement that the leaks have come out. Vince has memory loss. Vince, in meetings, is saying offensive things. I mean, you knew all that crap would come out after Vince is gone. But here's what I wonder about. The man who's running the show from a creative standpoint is Triple H. My father-in-law is a retired chef. If I was running a restaurant, even if he had retired, and he has retired, but I'm running a restaurant, don't you think my father-in-law would call me up all the time and say, Evan, do this. Evan, don't do that. Evan, don't serve this. Evan, do serve that. And because he's the expert, and because he's my father-in-law, I'm probably going to listen to a lot of what he has to say. So what I wonder about with this dynamic, is Vince McMahon really gone And I don't know the answer to that. I think right now he may be. I think over the next couple of weeks he may be. But until the WWE sells, which may happen at some point, or until Vince McMahon, uh, I should say, until Triple H, Paul Levesque, is not in charge, don't you kind of wonder if Triple H calls, because he doesn't text, I assume, call up his son-in-law, and yeah, the imitation is coming, I warn you. Listen, Paul, keep Roman strong. I need beefy men in the main events. What are you doing with these small guys? I need beef. I don't know. I wonder. Like even watching SummerSlam, was things booked differently because of Triple H? Were they? And I trust Triple H. Say what you want about him as a wrestler. Say what you want about maybe the behind-the-scenes crappy pulled in the mid-2000s. Whatever you think of Triple H. Based on how much everyone loved NXT a few years ago when he ran it. And based on the fact that Triple H is a student of the game who's not lost his mind yet. Who's not going to be about putting himself over because he doesn't wrestle anymore. I'm excited in theory for Triple H to run the show. But I wonder. Because his father-in-law is still Vince McMahon. I think, obviously, Triple H in charge was never going to change the main event. It was always going to be Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. And I think with the stadium show coming up in the U.K., it was always going to be Drew McIntyre against Roman Reigns. But I think after that, and and certainly the way that match is booked and the way some of these new angles go about, we're going to see what Triple H is going to do. And I have to admit, I, I know that you're always concerned about the one you don't know, even though we sort of do know Triple H. I'm excited about a post Vince McMahon wrestling world. I love Vince. I think he's a legend. Uh, And by love, I mean, I think he's a brilliant wrestling mind. You know, all of us who are, if anyone's listening to this podcast, you're a wrestling fan. Well, what got you into wrestling? Think about it. What got you into wrestling? And unless you're going to tell me WCW got you into wrestling, Vince McMahon got you into wrestling. So I guess we owe that to him as a creative guy. That he gave us the product that we're still interested in all these years later. Has he struggled the last few years? No doubt. This product hasn't been great. I mean, the only thing that's been great has been Roman Reigns. That I stand by. And now it's going to be a challenge because he's not a full-time guy. You know, he's going to have, whether he loses to McIntyre or not, an unprecedented championship reign in this modern era. And most of it was done as a full-time guy. But if they want to continue this, which I think they should, it's going to be a challenge if he's not around a lot. And it also leads to the question that we've asked on this podcast every time we've talked wrestling for, I think, at least two years now. And that's, can they get The Rock to give you that ultimate main event? Because the whole family dynamic has always led to that. The tribal trief has led to that. And maybe that's been the intention, but getting back to the whole Vince McMahon thing, this Vince not being around hurt those chances. <laughs> A lot of these legends have some kind of loyalty to Vince McMahon because Vince created them. Now, I don't know if Triple H and The Rock are exactly best boys, best friends. So I worry about that. So as much as I'm excited about the creativity of Triple H, and I'm going to call him Triple H, not Paul Levesque. Cause who that he's triple H he's Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That's who he is. As much as he loves history and I give him credit for bringing Bruno back when he did a decade ago, that was more him than Vince McMahon. And and by the way, you could take what I'm about to say is a good thing. And sometimes it will be a good thing. Sometimes it'll be a bad thing, but that a lot of guys who have come back may have done it, not just for the money, but the loyalty to Vince McMahon do they lose that with Triple H in charge? But it's going to be fascinating to watch. It really is. And the number one thing to me, even though we may not see it because it's behind the scenes, is how much does Vince McMahon try to cane the power that he had behind the scenes by calling his son-in-law and giving him advice and telling him what he think they should do? That'll be interesting and certainly worth keeping an eye on. But now we got a month to build up to this UK pay-per-view with a stupid name. What's it called? Castle at the Plaza? Battle of the Castle? Dopey name. That's cool that they're having a big event in the United Kingdom. There's rabid wrestling fans there, so I'm not mocking that. But what is it? Battle at the Castle? or Whacking at the Castle? (laughs) Whatever the hell it is. I'll see how they build it up over the next few weeks, but to me... It is still Roman Reigns' time. He still needs to remain the undisputed Universal Champion. I will try to do a, a handful of Evan Roberts podcasts. Obviously, I now do Rico Bronia, where our Mets material is. So if you are a Mets fan, you could download Rico Bronia. We do a podcast after every single series that they play and a couple of bonus episodes mixed in throughout the baseball season. So we'll do a lot of wrestling here when we get a chance. But thank you very much for listening and downloading the Evan Roberts podcast, Instant Reaction, SummerSlam.